Hello, and welcome to a VJ Oncology podcast. We are a global open access multimedia channel that brings you the latest research updates in oncology. Today, we will be hearing from several leading experts in skin cancer, discussing their updates from the Yedo 2020 virtual meeting. First up, we hear from Michael Posto of Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, as he discusses the latest updates in the melanoma field. The talk I deliver at the auto meeting is really focused on a number of these new advances in a couple of different realms. And of course, there's so many different ways to think about new advances within the field of melanoma, new drugs, new ways of thinking about our existing drugs. So the way I, I choose to think about how the field of melanoma is moving forward is to put different topics in a few different buckets. So the first bucket I think that we learned in 2020 about the treatment of advanced melanoma, and advanced melanoma I mean stage three unresectable melanoma or stage four melanoma, is information about combination of Olimab plus ipilimumab combined checkpoint blockade. And that we, we learned a few new aspects of this combination. We've already known we have five-year overall survival data for this particular combination. But I think what was new in 2020 is we learned a lot more about the role that this combination may play in the setting of stage four completely surgically resected melanoma or completely irradiated melanoma. And the results of the ImmuNed study led by Dirk Schadendorf and colleagues really told us about the power of checkpoint blockade in this patient population that we had not previously explored this combination. And this is surgically completely resected or irradiated stage four melanoma. The results of that study showed that either nivolumab alone or the combination of nivolumab plus ipilimumab really impressively improves recurrence-free survival compared to placebo observation in these patients. And so should be considered in patients with surgically resected stage four melanoma, either PD-1 alone or the combination of both ipilimumab plus nivolumab. And I think the other interesting aspect of that study that we learned is that even the patients that received the combination, they only had a median of two doses of treatment with the combination. And many of us know that the intent to treat is always with four doses of the combination. But this really, along with prior retrospective data, really supports the notion that you may not need a lot of combination immune checkpoint blockade to get a really beneficial long-term outcome. Whether it's in stage four resected melanoma or even in unresectable melanoma, we've seen patients that stop combination checkpoint blockade due to toxicity can do quite well long term. And it's not really clear that more treatment is necessarily better in some of these patients. So one of the other advances in 2020, I think, is a study that we led from Sloan Kettering here, where instead of dosing combination checkpoint blockade until toxicity, we would dose only based upon the efficacy that we were seeing. So we gave patients, instead of four doses of combination checkpoint blockade, we gave them two doses of checkpoint blockade. And we found that after the second dose of treatment, if we were to get a CT scan and see what was going on in these patients, two-thirds of them are already having a good treatment effect, meaning no more tumor growth, and many of them have shrinkage of their tumors. And what we did in that study is we transitioned patients directly to nivolumab maintenance if they were already having a good result after two doses of combination checkpoint blockade. And with this approach in general, the objective response rate and best overall response rate 
over the duration of the follow-up, which is nearly two years, was 57%, which is a best overall response rate that would be seen in older studies of the combination where patients were to receive up to four doses of the combination. So it really gives more information along with the immunet study that we may not need all four doses of the combination. My recommendation to practitioners is not necessarily to shorten the course for all patients because we don't have large enough data sets to say that. But if you've given two doses of checkpoint blockade in the combination, patients are having some toxicities, it may be worth getting a CT scan, seeing what's going on with the tumors. And if indeed those tumors are already shrinking, perhaps just transitioning to single agent PD-1 at that juncture after the patients are feeling well. So those are some of the learnings that we've had in terms of combination checkpoint blockade. There are some additional learnings we learned in 2020 on the combination in that we hadn't really established in a very robust way how well the combination works in settings of PD-1 refractory melanoma. And in 2020, there are more data that were presented, mostly at the ASCO 2020 meeting, both retrospective and some prospective data, that ibilimumab in combination either with pembrolizumab in one study or a retrospective study led by the Australian group, whether ipilimumab plus nivolumab compares favorably to ipilimumab alone retrospectively in patients with unresectable melanoma who have progressed on PD-1. Both of these studies show approximately a 27 to 31% response rate for the combination in settings of PD-1 refractory melanoma. And I think this is impressive because this is a group of patients, if they don't have a BRF mutation and they've been treated with PD-1 monotherapies already, there aren't many great options in this situation. So to have a high 20 or low 30% objective response rate in this population of patients is quite impressive. And I think a benchmark for which other new agents moving into the PD-1 refractory space will need to ultimately surmount to show really promising efficacy. So that's some, those are some information about the combination that we learned from 2020 in the melanoma field. In addition to that particular combination, there's other combinations that we've been very, very interested in in melanoma. And one of them has been the possibility of combining BRAF plus MEC plus immunotherapy. So the idea of taking a BRAF mutant patient and instead of just giving them BRAF and MEC inhibitors, adding a PD-1 or PD-L1 immunotherapy on top of that to see if you can combine the best of the targeted inhibition against the BRF mutation with immune therapy as well. And prior studies, unfortunately, showed that combining ipilimumab with BRF and MECA inhibitors was a little bit toxic from a side effect perspective, but there's been a lot of enthusiasm in combining PD-1 and PD-L1 inhibitors together. So with this in mind, there were two phase three studies of triplets that read out in 2020 in the melanoma field. One was a study testing vemurafenib plus cobimetinib plus or minus atezolizumab, which is a PD-L1 inhibitor, which differs from pembrolizumab and nivolumab, which are PD-1 inhibitors and already approved in melanoma. But this study demonstrated that when atezolizumab is added to cobimetinib and vemurafenib in this phase three context in a randomized study, it improved the investigator-assessed progression-free survival. So this was a positive phase three study, and in the United States led to regulatory approval for the triplet combination of vemurafenib plus cobimetinib plus atezolizumab. And we're still, of course, waiting on more robust and mature overall survival of this approach. We still don't really know if it's better to do triplet therapy for which patients. Should we use certain biomarkers? Should there be a selection criteria for these patients? 
or should we still think about giving either immunotherapy alone or BRF-MAC inhibition alone and then follow that with immune therapy upon progression? We don't have that kind of sequence data, which is really critical to fully understand where this triplet will come into play. But it is important that we did have one big phase three study that was positive in support of a progression-free survival benefit for atezolizumab in combination with venurafenib and cobimetinib. Now, unfortunately, enthusiasm for this triplet approach has been a little bit mixed. There was another phase three study in melanoma in 2020 that read out called the COMBI-I study, which tested dabrafenib plus trametinib plus or minus a PD-1 inhibitor called spartalizumab. And unfortunately, this study was statistically negative for an improvement in progression-free survival. So it showed that adding spartalizumab, that PD-1 inhibitor, to BRAF and MEK inhibition with dabrafenib and trametinib, unfortunately, was not successful in terms of improving progression-free survival. So I think the jury's still out on triplet therapy, which patients will be used, which patients are not appropriate for it. I don't think it will be something that will be uh, taken up by everybody, of course, with the BRAF mutation. And we still are waiting on data on BRAF-MAC inhibition versus immune therapy alone. And that information will hopefully further clarify where the role of triplet therapy may ultimately lie. The last quick advance I'll talk about for 2020 in melanoma is about treatment with new drugs and new approaches. And I think the two ones that I wanted to highlight, number one is tumor infiltrating lymphocyte therapy. And this is an old treatment that's been developed for many, many years uh, in the National Cancer Institute and many institutions around the world. But I think right now it's really meeting prime time success. And there have been data with TIL therapy in PD-1 refractory melanoma, I think that are very, very exciting. And in brief, TIL therapy is when a patient has a tumor removed surgically, then the lymphocytes are harvested from the tumor, treated in a laboratory to expand, and then reinfused back into a patient following chemotherapy and with administration of interleukin-2, and so that the T cells proliferate. And the idea is that the T cells that were removed from the tumor at the time of surgery and treated in the lab are good melanoma-fighting cells and that those will fight and destroy the melanoma tumors that the patients still have in their body. And the results are pretty good in PD-1 refractory melanoma with over a 30% response rate, which again is in that really great category for this PD-1 refractory melanoma context. So our hope is high that we will see good efficacy of this approach, but it is quite a complicated approach and needs to be done in specialized centers of expertise because this is a difficult treatment to administer, particularly the interleukin-2 component of it. So I raised that as an example of some new ways that we're doing new treatments in melanoma. There's another study that came out recently combining lenvatinib with pembrolizumab, and lenvatinib is a drug that inhibits angiogenesis, and that showed also some really promising results in PD-1 refractory melanoma. So we don't have randomized data yet in these kinds of contexts, but I think we have a couple of interesting leads for PD-1 refractory melanoma, and hopefully we'll see more and more efficacy as the patient populations increase. So quite an interesting year in 2020 for advanced melanoma. So mixed news with some of the phase three studies, especially with the triplets for BRF mutant melanoma. But I think we are still pushing the envelope forward, coming up with new targets, and it's, it's exciting to see what 2021 will bring. Secondly, we spoke to Alexander Van Akoy of the Netherlands Cancer Institute, who outlines neoadjuvant approaches in melanoma. The news uh, from Iedo about the neoadjuvant approaches to melanoma. Um, over, the, over the last years, there have been a lot of uh, big developments. Um, there have been studies done for targeted therapies with BRAF-MEC. 
uh, inhibition, uh, followed by uh, surgery, followed by then continued BRAF-MEC inhibition to complete a full year of therapy. Uh, showed very high response rates, but not a lot of durable um, uh, responses in terms of a lot of these patients eventually do relapse, uh, despite still being on or after finishing a year of uh, targeted therapy, as is similarly seen at, in the large phase three adjuventral combi AD. So the interest has shifted more towards the neoadjuvant immunotherapy trials, where we had a few trials with single-agent immunotherapy. There was one trial uh, which was published by Wang et al., which looked at a single dose of pembrolizumab three weeks prior to the surgical resection. And amazingly, they saw a 25% complete response rate after only a single shot of pembrolizumab. Uh, similar uh, has been seen for a study where a monotherapy of nivolumab was used, but higher rates of overall and complete response rate were, were seen with the combination of IPI and NIVO. So both a study from MD Anderson and the OPASIN study showed us response rates in the order of 60 to 80% with many patients getting a complete or a near complete response. Uh, very interestingly, there's an international neoadjuvant melanoma consortium, the INMC, which had a pooled analysis of all these neoadjuvant trials and showed us that the benefit of neoadjuvant immunotherapy seems to be very durable with zero people relapsing after achieving a complete response. So in this sense, the complete response to neoadjuvant immunotherapy on melanoma might actually be a precursor, a surrogate endpoint for relapse-free and overall survival in melanoma. Studies have then continued on with the combination of ipinevo, trying to reduce the toxicity, so going with low-dose ipi at one milligram per kilogram and nevo at three milligrams per kilogram. And also, one of the latest developments has been the Prado study, in which patients after their neoadjuvant course didn't have a full node dissection, but first had a resection of the marked index node to have the pathologist assess the response. And if they had a complete response, then no further dissection was done in those cases. 60 out of 100 patients had such a good response and did not have a complete node dissection afterwards. We're still awaiting the long-term results of this study to see if there is, isn't an increased risk of relapse in these studies. So that is a brief summary of what has happened. So this was also summarized at the AADO meeting just recently. And now we're very much looking forward to having the NADINA trial, which is a phase three trial comparing neoadjuvant ipinevo to adjuvant immunotherapy in melanoma patients. And hopefully that trial will get started by early 2021. Finally, we're here from Bettina Ryle of the Melanoma Patient Network Europe who touches on the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the treatment and management of patients with melanoma. I think it is fair to say that for us already, well, our normal life as melanoma patients is already exceptional and out of the norm. And I think one of the first reactions that we got from many patients, not just the melanoma, when COVID arrived was that they said, well, now everyone feels what we're feeling all the time. In a way, the initial shock, I think, was maybe less, if that is possible, on in our community. 
but was then very quickly replaced by worries about whether they would be able to access their normal treatments. And we have unfortunately seen alterations um, of treatment schemes, especially in advanced melanoma. So for example, visits would be delayed or would be canceled. We have some that have been canceled like for half a year and never taken off. Scans were delayed. So there is a worry about a continu like discontinu discontinuation of treatment. However, overall, I would say I have been worried more than what happened. So I think overall, those who were diagnosed were followed up. Not ideally, but they were followed up. What did not work was those who were just diagnosed or should have been diagnosed. So we really have now people who have been trying to get appointments. And I'm really, really worried that we have many late diagnoses, so many more late diagnoses than we usually have because of this um, this situation. In addition, and of course, while Europe is a very heter heterogeneous place and countries have dealt with the, uh, the pandemic in very different ways, but in many places, it was the burden was placed on the cancer patients to shield themselves. So some of them totally blocked themselves off to protect themselves, especially because we knew that ICU capacities in many countries were restricted and it was very clear that with a stage four diagnosis, you would have no chance to even get a bed in an ICU. And our community is, I mean, you're not fighting to survive melanoma to then be killed in COVID. So that situation was scary. Um, I think now everyone comes to the realization that we have to learn how to continue our normal healthcare system activity despite COVID. And that's our hope that we, that we, that we really get back to it as, um, as, as fast as possible. At the same time, I would, I would really acknowledge, would like to acknowledge um, our oncologists because I think what we have seen, especially in advanced melanoma is the enormous effort these teams have put in to ensure that patients continue to be seen by, for example, setting up additional COVID tests to make sure that both personnel and patients are safe for moving to teleconsultations very, very fast. So I do feel like that is a big thank you to the oncology community in that respect to ensuring that patients are followed up. If you have found this podcast useful, please leave a review and subscribe on your podcast app including Apple and Spotify, so we can continue to deliver expert-led content to you. Follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology and join in on the conversation. And finally, don't forget to visit vjoncology.com for all the latest updates in the melanoma field.